this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, we have a new member of the union joining us on a trial basis. Uh, by the time this goes live, <laughs> he might have actually joined us. This is a new thing with Patreon. You can join, uh, you can do a trial run, a seven-day trial. Yeah, you Welcome. know, like like Netflix or any other service you would mm-hmm. sign up for. You get a couple of days and figure it test, out. Give it a give it a um, give it a spin. See what it's like. Kick the tires. Jump in the Discord for a day or two. See what's mm-hmm. going on in there. We need to welcome Steve Severa. Hey, Steve he joined us at the board of direction board of directors level. Welcome, Steve. And, uh, you know, check out the Discord stuff happening over there. Lots of talky talk stuff. New Rival Sons album was getting some chatter. Yeah. I saw that. All kinds of, all kinds of new, new stuff uh, that's come out that we've been talking about. New Extreme Record. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? There's a new Super Jesus album that or, or single that just came out. That, oh my gosh! Uh, Blast yeah, from know. the past. Super Jesus is back, and they is that have season a song. one. That is season one, Jay. Wow! I know that's. Well, you know what? For this episode, which is a result of our May album tournament, tournament of death. This is. This winner is hearkening back to a very early episode. We won't tell you what it is right this second, but we'll tell you that it was, man, what, what season was it? It was uh, season four was when we previously discussed this band for a full album and they were entered into our tournament. So let's talk about the tournament. A lot of good records, a lot of variety in these, in the May tournament for uh the first round we had xtc uh none such page of the lions it's hard to find a friend the Lemonheads, come on feel the Lemonheads, entombed wolverine blues truly's fast stories from kid coma which i feel like that has been up before yeah it's come up twice now cave in until your heart stops the red hot chili peppers one hot minute sugar shacks charmer and spot by spot out of those two the Lemonheads and Red Hat Chili Peppers moved on to our finals in round in group two in the in the eastern time zone or the or I guess it would be central. That was the eastern. This is our central group, <laughs> probably or the AFC Central. Uh, we had Catherine Wheels from uh, Chrome, Motorcycles, Angels, and Demons at play, or is that Demons? I, when they put the A and the E next to each other, I was confused about how you're supposed to say that. I think it's Damon's. Tripping Daisies, Jesus Hits Like the Atom Bomb, David Bowie's Hours, Fear God, Within the Veil, Bell and Sebastian, The Boy with the Iron Strap, The Red Telephone, Telephone's Self-Titled, Warrant's Belly to Belly, 
volume volume one and the smalls my dear little angel the winners out of that round Catherine wheels chrome and david bowie's hours so not a lot of uh, you know in those first two rounds those are names you know yep not going to be surprised by those going into that so the fourth or third round Hootie and the Blowfish, Fairweather Johnson. Uh, Near Life Experience by Come. Voodoo Lounge by the Rolling Stones. Wicked Sensation by Lynch Mob. Mental Funeral by Autopsy. Contiki by Cotton Mather. Blur's self-titled. Priest Equals Aura by The Church. And Joyrides for Shut-Ins by The Cave Dogs. Now the winners out of this round, Jay... This was a, this was a little bit di- more difficult, not difficult, but this is a little bit more of a turn. Uh, we got some autopsy, uh, which is not one I expected, but we did also get blur. I thought perhaps the Rolling Stones would somehow pull it off in right. this round, just for the sheer like strange factor of that record. Hmm. Um, I don't really remember that record at all. I know there was a Love Is Strong is on that record but yeah. i don't remember it hardly at all i remember them touring a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i think i remember the first single that's about it well i remember the pre this i think the record before it was steel wheels and they made a yeah. big deal because yeah. the first show was in buffalo of that uh, tour okay. yeah at the, at the bills stadium so it was a huge deal now there's a funny story i'm going to tell real quick so obviously the Stones, you know, they go to the Buffalo to play the show. Mick Jagger famously likes to walk the cities where he's in. Like he'll he'll just like hop in his limo or a, or a cab or whatever and just go places. Uh-huh. So he had a limo for this experience. And my dad knows a guy who's a limo driver. And he ended up being Mick Jagger's limo driver for this. And Mick Jagger at one point said, is there just some place I can go quiet and smoke a cigarette? And he's no. like, well, we can go to my house. <laughs> so he took him to his house and Mick Jagger just hung out in his backyard with him and smoked cigarettes. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then went and played Rich Stadium. with. That's the close Stones. to, uh, you know, wanting to go sit in a hotel room by himself and drink a, a Diet Sprite. Yes, that's very. <laughs> <laughs> uh so from that, uh, from those three rounds, we had Blur, Autopsy, Catherine Wheel, Lemonheads, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and David Bowie. Blur was suggested by Lane, Autopsy by Gabriel Gutierrez, Gutierrez, Catherine Wheel by Steve, just Steve, and uh, David Bowie by Tom Cull, Red Hot Chili Peppers by Keith Badge, and the Lemonheads also by Tom Cull. Congrats, Tom Cull pulling the Vadim Tavor on this one getting two into the final six sadly Tom did not uh, get into a runoff with himself like Vadim did <laughs> in our previous tournament uh, the winner which Steve called a shoegaze masterpiece was Catherine Wheels Chrome and Catherine Wheel we revisited Happy Days on episode 158 of season four back in 2014. Wow. Yes. It's been a while. 
And since then, between 2014 and 2023, Catherine Wheel has done nothing. <laughs> Come on, they reissued that those B-sides, right? Well, they put out a couple of early singles. They remastered their yeah. early singles and made a big deal that something was going to happen. And then that was the big deal. And it was kind wah, of a wah, disappointment. Wah. They yeah. have reissued their albums on vinyl, which were really, really hard to get. Um, the original pressings were going for like $200. And then music on vinyl did represses of pretty much all the records. Uh, you could grab like happy days for record store day a couple of years ago. And I picked up the ferment and Chrome vinyl records. I already had happy days on vinyl. And then they did the like cats and dogs on uh, vinyl, which I don't know if that even ever came out on vinyl. Um, Adam and Eve has come out of vinyl. The only one that still hasn't been released uh, a reissue is Wishville. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Was that, a, that was on a different label. Wasn't that was it? on Columbia. Yeah. They switched for that one. Yeah. That was Maybe the only fine. one on Columbia. The other four were on Mercury Fontana, I believe. Yep. Um, obviously you're familiar with Catherine wheel. Yeah. A... Yes. A little, <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. So let me ask you, what was your entry point? We may have talked about this, but what was the album that you got into Catherine wheel? I got into the band with happy days. Same. So I, that was a good record for me to, to enter the band because it was a little heavier, more aggressive. I think it was more familiar and comfortable sounding. And then I um, worked my way backwards between that record and Wishville coming out, or I'm sorry, Adam and Eve coming out and got familiar with the back catalog and then sort of moved forward with them after that. Same. Uh, our mutual friend, Keith Jenkins introduced me to Catherine wheel with this album or with happy days like you. Yeah. Uh, he gave me like a stack and there was like a verb album, a Jeff Buckley album, Catherine wheel, Jawbox, couple other things. And I listened to them over a summer when we were living together in college. And that's how I got into Catherine wheel. And this was my favorite album for a long time of their or Catherine, happy days was, yeah. um, I kind of have like, I think now like the middle three are, are my favorite. I really, I like ferment and I like wishville, but like the middle three are such an interesting evolution of the band. And we'll get into it as we talk about the, um, record Chrome, which is their second one, but, it uh, each of those records is different, but they're also really good on their own in, yeah. in very unique ways. They're they're a nice progression as well. Like you mm -hmm. can hear in each of those records where they're going to go with the next record. Yep, a little bit. Um, and I think Ferment and Wishville tend to be like more bookends of the more extreme ends of the band. Yeah, the most commercial version and the least commercial version sort of bookends their catalog. So Ferment came out in 92. This was the follow-up in 93. Happy Days came out in 95. Uh, the Like Cats and Dogs compilation album came out in 96, which honestly is on par with most of their records in yep. terms of quality. Uh, Adam and Eve came out in 97. And then Wishville in 2000. They also had a couple of VPs, like She's My Friend came out in 91 and Painful Thing. And then they've been, they just remastered those this year they had i believe so they had three or two charting singles off of this uh crank 
charted at number 66 in the UK and number five on the US alt rock chart. Show Me Mary charted at number 62 in the UK, did not chart in the US. And then there was a third single that was released for um, the nude. It was sent out, like a promo was sent out, but it didn't chart as far as I can tell. There's a uh, video for that. Oh, is there? Yep. I just watched it today. Ah. <laughs> I, I realized I hadn't, I had never seen any of their videos and uh, I went on Apple music and they had, I watched the video for crank, which is pretty funny. And then there's, uh, there was a video for the nude. So I do remember the video for way down, which is on an airplane. And um, it was the summer that uh, I was living with Keith this out happy days came out in June. So that got played on like alternative nation or 120 minutes or something like that. It was not in rotation on MTV, but I remember seeing it that summer. And I think that's when I kind of like clicked with the band and uh, completely ripped off that song and, and Rob Dickinson in general for a song that uh, we wrote with our band called strange days, which is a complete and total rip Rob Dickinson rip off on my part. Okay. Uh, there's even like a, a Rob Dickinson esque, like hysterical laughing part that I kind of put into the demo that I don't think Keith, uh, <laughs> used. <laughs> um, so this was produced by Gil Norton who worked with, um, the band on the follow-up record, uh, Tim freeze green and John Lee produced ferment. Chrome was produced by Gil Norton, as was Happy Days. And then they went back for um, Adam and Eve to Tim Freeze Green. Well, he worked, I think actually he wasn't producer. That was Bob Ezrin and Garth Richardson. But Tim Freeze Green was involved in, in making the record, like a uh, played on it or something. Anyway, uh, this was uh, released in 1993, July, as I mentioned. And on Mercury Fontana, the enemy called it a triumph. Melody Maker called it a tight, robust affair, perhaps the ultimate Catherine Wheel album. And um, pretty much was, you know, well-regarded. Q Magazine, however, only gave it a three out of five stars, which I thought was interesting i didn't read huh. that review and um pitchfork lists it as number nine on the 50 greatest shoegaze albums of all time which is pretty high i mean you consider a number of shoegaze bands that are pretty well regarded that's Catherine Will isn't always mentioned with them yeah because they evolved yeah uh there were a lot of singles or a lot of versions of the singles so a lot of the stuff that ended up on like like cats and dogs are the singles for this album like tongue twisted something strange la 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 um girl stand still car high heels mouthful of air they all come from these so think about the sessions for this record wow right I mean, they basically made two albums worth of material um and there's a song called come back again which i don't think has ever been was was released only on a uk cassette that's it that's weird. I've never heard that song. Um, and then Scott Litt, who is an American producer, did some remixes of Show Me Mary and The Nude for the American 
market. I don't know what the big difference is on those, but they're there. So if you want to hunt them down, the B-sides and whatnot. At some point, I did start actually hunting down every B-side by the band, except for the cassette singles, because I didn't have a cassette to CD ripper back uh, when I was doing that. Po- the folks over at Patreon had some stuff to say. So back in the uh, the round two, uh, Jeremy and men said, I just need an hour of Tim and Jay gushing over Chrome. Seriously, <laughs> otherwise it's tripping Daisy. Um, we'll do our best to gush. Yes. Eric Peterson said, let's get Chrome out of the way and motorcycle, motorcycle, motorcycle. Why not? Um, let's see if that album is greater than Apocalypse Dudes, Tender is the Savage or Delusions of Grandeur. So I'm guessing it's action rock garage rock um joe Rowland said catherine and chrome for me i saw them open for in excess in boston on this tour oh. oh my goodness okay that's so that's like in excess when they're not really popular anymore right and that's a uh, weird opener 90 did they had a record in the in the early 90s didn't they that did pretty well i thought like the last big one was 89 but i could be wrong I'm looking it up real quick here. Uh, so also, uh, Kyle Bittner said, voting for the Smalls and Catherine Wheel. Chrome was my introduction to them and is still in very heavy rotation. I like that it's got the grit of ferment, but with a much cleaner sound. Uh, and then for the final round, some of the comments that went to Frank Garcia Hell said, Great choices, but my vote goes to Catherine Wheels Chrome, one of my favorite albums and bands of all time. Chrome added some weight and power to their ferment sound with excellent results. The influence this album had on modern shoegate bands is undeniable. Vadim Tavers said, oof, tough choice between Catherine and Blur as they are both all-timers, but gotta go with Chrome. I can never get tired of it. Also knowing Tim and Jay are fans, I'm looking forward to another detailed love fest like 1965. Huh. To which Ian McIver said, decent single. Just kidding. Um, Kyle Bittner went, Catherine Will vs. Blur, going with Blur. It may not be a better album than Chrome, but it's more varied and might have a better discussion. Oop, I hope that we get to Blur at some point. That's a very interesting band that I like. Uh, Willie Dillon said, I went with Catherine Will because that's my favorite album of these. Patrick Testa, a lot of talk about Blur versus Catherine Wheel, but come on, feel the Lemonheads, people. They did not. Sorry, Patrick. No. Um, Keith Badge said, in a battle for the soul of the podcast, I must decide. <laughs> Do I want to, to listen to Tim gush, Tim and Jay gush about Chrome or bitch about the Red Hot Chili Peppers? I'm going to allow them to, to gush. <laughs> what if I, was I told kind of- you... I was kind of interested to listen to that album now, just to hear the guitar parts and stuff. So not the vocals. I know we've talked a lot of crap about the Hot Chili Peppers. I actually liked Blood Sugar Magic when it came out. Oh my goodness. And I didn't mind Aeroplane, which was off of yeah. One Hot Minute. It was after that when like Scar Tissue got played a billion times. And right. You know, that was when I started to get like really, really sick of them. We uh, went to a restaurant the other night and there was a local band playing. And they were playing as we were leaving, they were playing uh, Under the Bridge. 
Oh, that is not a song you should play. No, <laughs> it was, it it was something, and it, it it wasn't just bad because the bad the band was bad. I think it just exposed it as like, man, this song sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Rich Dodgen says, has to be Blur. Amazing from start to finish. We'll get to Blur. Uh, Andrew O.C. said, hard to pick, but I've never been in a scenario where Bowie wasn't the right answer. And that's a good point. Unless you're talking about like some of those late 80s albums that are kind of stinkers. Rudy Stuhl, Stowell, Shoegaze. Mm. Jason Pan, play for the home crowd and select Catherine Wheel. Okay. We did. You did. We, we're going to talk about it. You folks want us to talk about it. We're happy to talk about it, I think. Uh, so, Jay, it's, it's awkward asking you one thing you like about this record, because I know you like more than one thing. But tell me about revisiting this record this week. Um, what works best? What's, what's really kicking your tires this time? Well, first, I want to I wanna wrap up the conversation on NXS. They... Okay. Uh, Put out in 92, uh, Welcome to Wherever You Are, which right. had um, an American hit, Not Enough Time, reached number two on the Billboard. I don't remember that song. And it went gold in the first 10 days. So it did pretty well. Wasn't I feel like that was off the fumes of Kick. Mm, well, X is before that, and that had uh, Suicide Blonde. Which was, there you go, X. That was 91. So they were Got still, it. you know. I guess, Okay. They weren't completely over at that point. No. no. Uh, so revisiting this record, um, I think what's been interesting for me I, as I've um, kind of fine-tuned my audio setup here and been able to revisit records that are early 90s and even 80s that are maybe a little on the muddy side or not, you know, very punchy or um, compressed. I've uh, I've been able to listen to and, and appreciate a lot of stuff that I wasn't able to, I think, at the time. So this is a good example. Um, I think this record must be played loud, um, as loud as you can stand playing it. Uh, and when you do that, it just reveals so much depth and complexity with the interplay of the guitars in particular and the vocal i think what and it, <clears throat> so i think just revisiting it now i'm able to appreciate so much more of that than i was when i first heard the record in the 90s and even in the early 2000s um, i'm just sonically able to hear more but then also you know, with some years under my belt, I'm better, I think, able to understand what it is they're doing and be able to pull things apart. Um, this is a band that when I first heard them, my brain took a, took a while to process it. Like, what is going on here? Now, luckily they had, you know, catchy dynamic tunes that you can, you can ride, you know, easily and sort of get into emotionally pretty quickly. But there's a depth here that, with repeated listens and revisiting it that I was able to start to pull apart over time. And 
in particular this 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 time spending spending um spending more time with it and and really getting into like what are they doing here with the with the different guitar tones and the dynamics and then i think the thing that i really understood better was the interplay between the vocal and the guitar and how there's just a really elegant like complementing each other but not but not but also like um pushing each other you know i think rob is a good enough singer in a band that's doing like big shoegazy kind of sounds you know big expansive layer guitar sounds um but he's a dynamic enough singer to to step up to those tones to step up to that those dynamics and like push them as much with the vocal as you know the guitar can push back i think with some other bands in the genre i like partially what they're doing but this band i think always connected more i think mostly because of his vocal ability so you know he's a singer that can he'll do a falsetto he can be super emotional he can be kind of deep and croony he can you know get aggressive and have a ton of attitude and be a little snarly and snarky like he can cover a wide spectrum and i think when you combine that with these guitars that are at times um like a wave you know of sound or it can be like an avalanche and they have this movement to them that is really powerful um you know he can either ride that with the guitars um i think a good example is i confess um where you know you hear these um uh, actually let me, let me talk about i think chrome is a good example where the guitar lead in the chorus take kind of takes over a bit and then there's this response by the vocal nude is a, a similar kind of thing where um the vocal establishes this melodic hook and then the guitar picks it up and kind of responds to it I started to notice like this interplay between the two of like the lead guitar and the vocal that's going on in some of these tracks that um, I had noticed before. Fripp is another good example of the guitars actually, in, you know, big parts of that song step out, you know, they're not as big of a deal, but the vocal is strong enough that it can carry it. So again, there's this like push and pull that's always going on between those two elements of the band. Um, the nude is probably the best example where it all comes together. So you've got the verses where the guitars and the vocals are really synced up 
and they're delivering, you know, a unified melody. But then in the chorus, they break apart and they're countering each other almost to the point where like the guitars are leading them the the hook and the vocal is kind of responding to it. So I was really tuned into that interplay on this record um, in ways that I don't think I had been in, in previous listens. Um, and I, and I was also just picking up on like how the guitar playing not only tonally, but just even the timing and the way that the chords are hit and stuff is just so um, I don't know. It's just so specific. So I, I was going to talk about, I confess earlier. And the thing I, I liked about that was that the guitars are, are and drums are hitting in a way in the verses of that, where you like feel them kind of like suspended in air, you know, that you hear the cymbals hit and the chord hit. And like, there's this, uh, this sense of like everything kind of, it's big and then it starts to fall and you kind of almost feel this sense of like it just hanging there and then they hit another symbol and chord again and everything kind of blows up again you just get this sense of like these rhythms that are coming out uh within the verses and then um you know breaking it up in the choruses that are really nuanced and specific like i don't think other bands it'd be very hard to cover this band. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, there's just something very specific about the way they're playing guitar together and the way the drums are sitting in there and the dynamics that are going on between all the different elements. And the effects are a huge part of it too. Like they're picking the right guitar effects for the right moments. And it's not always washy stuff. Sometimes it's actually fuzzy and compressed. Sometimes it's very, yes, very chimey and clean there's this broad spectrum of guitar tones um, on here too, that just create this, uh, these waves um, of sounds that, you know, the, the drums are at times helping propel, but other times like in, in a song like crank, I was a little taken back by like how mellow the drums are in that song. You know, as the guitars are huge, you know, he's kind of just, He's not like super aggressive drum wise um, on that tune, even though it kind of has a heavy feel to it because it's kind of a chunky riff. Um, so there's just all these really interesting dynamics going on in this record that um, I think with this listen, I just was able to pick up on even more. Um, and the second half of the record, uh, you know, the drums do get more aggressive. The songs, you know, pick up tempo. Then you get something like Fripp where things like, really get kind of spaced out uh nurse and major space station the same thing like big expansive kind of adventurous getting into that pink floyd sound almost a little bit for them on, on frep um or some major space station is just like this big swirling epic guitar song and then you end with show me mary which is even half-life is really kind of poppy like mm -hmm. The drums like upbeat, snappy, got a great melody and hook. It almost feels like those two songs almost don't feel like them now listening to them. Um, you know, they feel like, a, I don't know, a different band from the UK in the 80s or something. <laughs> uh, kind of interesting songs in their catalog. But uh, yeah, I to summarize, you know, what was working mostly, it was just 
really paying attention to what Rob and the guitars are doing and just it's not repeatable like and I don't know that there's any other band that kind of can put it together in this way where you've got a singer that's that dynamic guitars that are this huge and interesting but then the two neither is ever overpowering the other which I think for this style of music at times it's kind of the point you know some bands would take this approach as like the whole point is to create this big gigantic sound that's almost swallowing the vocal and the vocal is kind of small and like minor right in the composition and that's not what they're about at all like he his vocal is very integral to every song um and most of them are vocal driven even though the guitars are also huge and adventurous and doing all kinds of dynamic crazy stuff so yeah i was nerding out on that that part of it um what uh what stood out to you with this listen well I don't know that I ever processed it this way, but this is the perfect bridge album between ferment and happy days. You get the, the noise and the jangle and the sort of, you know, more shoegaze end of the band, but then you also see where they're going with the bigger riffs, like on kill rhythm that you if you were to say that that's where they were going to go after ferment, you'd be like, that's no way they're going to sound like that. But yeah, when you open up with that big kill rhythm riff yeah, and it happens, you know, throughout you, it, it makes total sense then, you know, they didn't want to just repeat themselves. They wanted to add in some more uh, defined guitar riffs, uh, parts and also add a sense of urgency that wasn't on the first record in the same way there's a they're really good at playing like this kind of a laid back feel on some on some of the songs mm-hmm. you know like texture on the first record or i want to touch you have like a bounce to them they're not really like aggressive in the way that kill rhythm Ursa's major sp- space station is kind of a wild song when you kind of like break down what Neil Sims, the drummer, is doing. guitar riff is bizarre yeah yeah they're really at their height in terms of what rob and brian futter are doing in terms of back and forth on guitar brian futter doing just tons of really interesting you mentioned on chrome and he's always got a lead strange fruit has you know just little bits and pieces they don't have to be super complex but they're just little guitar riffs usually following when rob sings He'll add a little 
three or four note little thing, you know, at the end of strange fruit, like perfect. That's just a little perfect line off there. And I think what I started to realize in listening to this, I never understood the connection of them covering a Husker Du song. They covered don't want to know when you're lonely, which I always thought was weird. I was like, what is their Mm. connection to Husker Du? Yeah. And then I started to listen to this now and go, oh, it's the Bob Mould thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the guitar noise that is big and loud, but also sculpted. And then the vocal that you can hear, but sometimes gets a tiny bit buried, like especially with Sugar. That's the obvious one with when you're talking about Bob Mould. So that made that started to make more sense on some of these songs. Like Show Me Mary is somewhere yeah. between like Sugar and Buffalo Tom. Yeah. Like that yeah. da, 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 that riff. If you listen to Big Red Letter Day, that yeah. almost sounds like Treehouse. Like the yeah. riff on on Treehouse. I had the same thought. And I had a uh, the Bob Mole thing for the first time ever popped to me on this listen. Uh in particular Strange Fruit was a song mm-hmm. for some reason it was like wait a minute. <laughs> I hear Bob Molden here. I, I hadn't heard that before. The, I mean, the thing I've probably talked about with Unhappy Days is he is such, I'm speaking of Rob Dickinson, a criminally underappreciated singer. A lot of range. He shows it. He comes out. If you were to listen to this record in 93, with and kill rhythm if all that's all you listen to you go oh this just kind of sounds like bush or something like that you and you don't have the full expanse of the record but then you get to like frip which is this very beautiful very um you know they did this a couple times where they'd have just these slow burn songs where he can croon and he can really sing and you get a sense of like how good his vocal is. I think he does that on eat my dust. You insensitive yeah. F on, on happy days. Um, and the older I get, the more I appreciate like how good of a vocalist he was, how good he was at finding the right delivery style for the song, really serving yeah. the songs, like the difference between kill rhythm and pain and frip the nude, he can deliver a pop chorus, like the nude, show me Mary, that kind of thing. But he can also do like the really kind of loud, yelly, broken head. And he's also, he's able to do it while also crafting a catchy melody. And I don't think it's uh, a, you know, it's not something that is by mistake. Like these are all for the, there's a couple songs that go over four minutes. Most of these are really tight songs in under four minutes, and they tend to stick to a a, a very brief info if intro if at all, um, verse chorus verse chorus maybe you get a bridge maybe you get a solo, and or a breakdown or something. But they're they're keeping them tight, and every one of these songs has a very you know maybe not Ursa Major Space Station, but they all have a really catchy hook yeah. that's memorable in a way that some of their contemporaries in in bands like My Bloody Valentine, Ride, even Swerve Driver to agree, didn't necessarily write catchy choruses. They wrote catchy guitar hooks, yep. but they weren't necessarily 
so it's I've always found it interesting because then you hear Wishville, which is so pop, so stripped down in terms of its music and pop in the in the this sense, not pop in like the you know Britney Spears sense. Um, but you can hear what was there the whole time, which is Rob Dickinson can craft a hook. Rob Dickinson can find a really interesting vocal to deliver. I mean, there's a song called Pain on here that should be the most generic cliched <laughs> thing from 1993. Yeah. Right. And it still sounds cool the way he does it. I mean, it's not like, it's not an easy thing to do to be sort of universal, but also be, have some gravitas <laughs> to use that word. Like ha- there's, there's some depth here that yeah. um you know a lot of bands can't pull off yeah and he's he's dramatic too mm-hmm. as a singer which i think i always enjoy you know i want to hear um i want to hear singers that are gonna push you you know to a new place they're gonna build anticipation which i think he does well um and he's he's got kind of almost like different characters in the way he sings and how he delivers stuff it just makes for a diverse listen. And when you combine that with like what they can do guitar wise, there's just a lot here to, for me to like. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right about turning this up. It sounds fantastic. Put it in headphones, crank it. There's so many little guitar squeals, little uh, moments of, of it's they're They're deliberate but they sound like someone just rocking and playing a guitar and, you know, like loading it up, ready to rock. (laughs) Um, He does that in, in crank where he's like, he's hitting those like harmonics. Yeah. And you know, the the riff is coming right after that. And um, it's a real, like, you don't think of a guitar players album when you're talking about shoegaze, you, you tend to think about like, you know, metal, or hard rock with like a virtuoso guitarist, but I, this there's so many cool riffs and little licks, and it's it's really a great cross between you know the 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 shoegaze sound, but sculpted. It's not overwhelming in the way that Loveless can be overwhelming to people, and there's so much noise. They really really know how to dial it in i i know that's gil norton as well i mean he's a very well-regarded producer and worked with the pixies and worked with a lot of bands from this time period so like he's putting his stamp on this but he also i mean happy days is quite different so much cleaner yeah uh and he also produced that so but it's interesting that he's uh you know, here for both the sort of transitional album and then the next full step of the band. And they didn't go with like a metal producer or something like that. I was thinking about today, like, I know we've talked about Razorblade Suitcase by Bush in, in a previous um, episode, but I was just thinking about like, I really feel like it was a bad idea that they went with Steve Albini for that second record because it just locked them into being Nirvana. Right. Nirvana's second big album going with Steve Albini and they should have gone with like a Gil Norton, like somebody like this who would have really brought out maybe something more interesting um, 
of them because I really don't like that second record very much. Anyway, in listening back to this, did you find any flaws that maybe you have bothered you or or have popped up? No, I think my the only thing I would say that hasn't worked for me in the past has been the production of the record. And I, I actually started this review by I think focusing on how I have, how I personally overcome it to, and I don't mean production. Like when you put it on, you're not going to be like, Oh my God, this sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, But you might be not hearing everything that's really here to, to take in uh, depending on the volume you're listening to it the speakers you're using, you know, most of us have way better headphones than we had in the nineties uh, and, and, and audio setups, you know, uh, um, for right. the most part, it, was, it wasn't, a, the nineties were not a high for audio quality. Um, <laughs> no. And the early two thousands weren't either, but I think we're getting to a place where like we can appreciate these records more. Um, but that being said, even with better equipment, it's a, it's a production style and presentation with all the guitars that can take a little time. I think if you just listen to it on the surface, you kind of hear this wash and you'll pick up some of the hooks, I think. Um, but you're going to be missing, I think the depth of the record. And I think it, you know, 2023, that's, people's attention spans and with how much music that's coming out and then exists that you can stream, like, you know, it's just one, it's one of those records. It, it requires some time and it requires you to listen to it and some time and focus and listen to it. Like we said, you know, pretty loud. Like you want to like let this wash over you. Um, headphones work great. Speakers work great too, but you really want to like get some volume going and be able to get that dynamic range happening so you can really start to pull apart everything that's going on here and i think you'll you'll enjoy it much more i enjoyed it much more now than i did you know back in the early or late 90s when i first listened to it and even in the early 2000s so that's really my only criticism the record is just it's not as accessible as happy days and wishville you know i think those right out of the gate like you can hear what's going on they're just punchier they probably don't have the range that this record has um but you know they lack or they don't require as much patience so you know i think if if you've listened to this record in the past and haven't been blown away by it you know give it another shot with some volume um and you might hear some stuff that you you haven't heard before anything that worked for you i have never loved half-life um, I think it's an okay song, but knowing what the B-sides were, they could have put something else. Um, like High Heels, I like that B-side a lot. Um, I just think it's it's an okay song. Um, it's in the same vein as like the nude uh, in terms of vibe. And it just, after Frip, it's such a like that's such a interesting and intense song and to have sort of just like little boppy song here. Yep. It, it just never has worked for me. Like it feels like Fripp in, in some world Fripp ends the album. 
it, yeah, I had, I had the same thought when I was revisiting it uh, this last time I was taking notes. It's like, hmm, this record, this record could end right here. It's not to say that Half-Life and Show Me Mary aren't good songs. Right. I mean, I actually do like the songs. Uh, I'm with you. There's like a drama to Fripp. And maybe it's like, doesn't Adam and Eve end that way? Kind of ends with... Uh, it has The song is um, For Dreaming. I yeah. Think. Well, it's Goodbye and For Dreaming are both like epic, long songs. Maybe with them, I sort of got a trained in them adding ending on these epic tunes and then on this record they don't um which feels a little odd to me yeah i agree with you um happy days is much too long but it could have easily ended on uh you know eat my dust or heal or something like that one of those big epic tracks um and like you mentioned adam and eve well I think there's, aren't there like intro outro tracks that are, I don't know what the. Yeah. Uh, but goodbye and for dreaming are the, like both seven minutes. So it feels, it's very Pink Floyd-esque. Goodbye, especially sounds like it could have been on the division bell or something by Pink Floyd. Um, but that's like one of my favorite songs on that record. But they don't end with like a. A boppy like little said, tune. Yeah, boppy tunes. Yeah. Which yeah. Half Life and Show Me Mary are. The answer yep. this contemplative note per se. <laughs> like, hey, we're having a good time. And I think I I really think this is an element of the CD era because if you end on Fripp, you're at like 44 minutes. Mm-hmm. But then you have Half Life and Show Me Mary to add another seven minutes. Yep. to the record and that takes you up over 50 that was the one thing that like when they did the vinyl ish they had to like compress it you know reissue to get it all 53 minutes on both sides so you know that wouldn't have happened they would have just done a you know a record even probably now if like if they were making this record now they probably would do a 44 minute record because right. who's buying a CD right? until they make a comeback. But I don't really, I, yeah, there's, there's, to me, there's not a bad song uh, on this record. I think at times I'm in different moods for things. Um, I, sometimes I want the more aggressive stuff like kill rhythm and I confess and broken head. And, you know, I just want to hear those tunes and rock out. 
and I'll skip the, you know, maybe the more mellow stuff. And then sometimes I feel the complete opposite where all I want to hear is like long drawn out moody songs by them. And that's what's great is because you can kind of pick and choose on each record. Like, Oh, this will be the, what I'm going for on this album and group them together. However you want. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I hate to be like, oh, there's nothing wrong with this record, but <laughs> there's, it's, it's hard to, if they weren't so good at coming up with all those guitar parts, if it was, if it was a, even if you still have the melody and the rhythm and the, and the rhythm tracks and all that stuff, if you couldn't come up with all those little lines that Brian Futter does and, and playing off of Rob Dickinson, then I could see like maybe some of the songs don't stand up as well, but he's just always doing something interesting. Right. And that's what makes this band, you know, the, somebody who thought that the first song sound like Bush. Yeah. But you, they don't have a Brian Futter in the band is what the difference is. And he's coming up with way more interesting things than what they were doing. Um, and this uh, starts their run of working with Storm Thurgetson too. Yes. So he does the album cover for Chrome. I think he's Happy Days, and I know he's Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which fits their music. Completely. Yeah, like this cover, I don't know like why, but it sound it looks like what they sound like on this yeah. record. In the same way that uh, you know, it was really cool. Uh, so Ride came on after this album for me. Like I just let it keep playing, and Apple just picks music. And obviously, sonically, there's some you know comparisons with the bands, but like the two album covers are even similar in that they represent the difference in the way the bands sound, but they're both they're both ev- evoking water but just in different ways. Mm. I thought that was interesting. Like ride it has that cool wave, like cresting that's riding up to the name. Yeah. And then this is like, you know, a bunch of people, you know, floating in water, but kind of looking like artistic and dramatic and mm-hmm. poetic. And like, I just found that like, Oh, this is like their take on that similar kind of idea of like our sound is water. What would that be? I'm assuming that he does the album cover based on the music and just doesn't have like a catalog of album covers that he's like, Oh, take this one. Like, do you know what his process was? I don't know the process at that point. He had a company too. So there would be other designers working. It was called like Hygnosis. Yes. So there were other designers I'm sure working on this stuff. But uh, we know from the uh, Blink of the Star, there was a story with that. Like, Where they took that frozen right. swan out to the desert. Right. So there was a whole, I mean, that had been conceived for the record. It wasn't like something he had already, you know, done and just slapped it on there. So yeah, I'm pretty sure these are all conceived to match the band album title music. Well, now I want to get a story from the people who were in the pool. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you get the Nirvana babies perspective 30 years later. Let's get the pool people. Yeah. And then next for Adam and Eve, all the naked people on the, and isn't there, there's a, yeah, there's a guy screaming in bed on happy days. Yeah. 
I think those are the only three records. Oh, there's the two women on the cover of like Cats and Dogs. Right. So I don't think Wishville, Wishville has pictures of the band, I think, on that cover. So, yeah, I mean, it's a worthy album. It's beyond a worthy album. I think it's, in some ways, it's the, um, what's that thing, what's that phrase that Marissa uses? The Plutonic Ideal. Like, to me, this record is kind of the ideal for this band. It it hits the shoegaze end, but it also hits the hard rock end of, but I don't think you can go wrong with either Chrome, Happy Days, or Adam and Eve. Like, to me, those are three perfect records. Happy Days is a little long, but I love the sound of that record. Adam and Eve is intentionally long. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't cut anything off of that record. Uh, spoiler alert, if we ever get to Adam and Eve, it's I'm going to give it a worthy album, probably. <laughs> that one is, uh, I feel like it's not talked about as much, but um, I'm with you that, just to emphasize the Chrome Happy Days Avenue to me are the the three they hold together the best or the I I like the journey through them I also think they represent you know the band at its best both playing and production wise mm-hmm. um it's sort of like the Wigs run of Gentlemen Black Love 1965. Yeah, it's, it, to me, it's it's ex, the exact same thing. They happen to have another record, Wishville, that they end on, which is a good record too. It's just these three are special. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, uh, if you are one of the very few people on this planet that disagrees with us, you can let us know <laughs> by you know, sending us an email or by joining the union and telling us to our faces on the discord, take on the community. Tell us why Catherine Wheels Chrome doesn't deserve our praise. You can do that by going to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com to join the union, uh, become a, a member to vote in the polls to uh, both for the tournaments and for the album uh, every uh Every week, there's a poll up pretty much for uh, when our patrons select their records or um, when we do, if you join, uh, you get to check out our now aughts episodes. Previously, we we're doing 80s episodes. There's a whole catalog of 80s episodes that are only exclusive to our patrons. And now we're doing aughts episode. We just did poster children recently from the 2000s, which we, Jay and I were both yeah. kind of caught off guard about really how good. good that record was. Yeah, it's a really good record. So you can hear our review by joining us at Patreon. It's also where you can read the box newsletter, which comes out every week. It is a Substack newsletter of new releases relevant to 80s, 90s, and aughts music, books, movies, TV shows, uh, documentaries, whatever. And then we also include two reviews either by us or by our patrons can submit reviews as well for new releases um one minute reviews very uh very quick just like a little little nugget like a little little chicken nugget right there you don't need the whole the whole box of chicken nuggets you just get one (laughs) one little nugget uh if you'd like to suggest an album to get into one of these polls go to digmeoutpodcast.com and go to the suggest an album page fill out the form 
and your album will be entered into a future poll. You can only do it, only enter once. So, uh, you know, think about what you want to enter, but there's no limit to how many you can enter because uh, some of our patrons have entered a lot. I'm not going to lie. Who do you, you can only, only enter the album once. Right. Who, do you know who has entered the most? Oh, I tallied it up. I think last year, I believe it was Willie Dillon. Willie. So if you'd like to uh, top Willie Dillon's number, just start pouring them in because uh, there's a good, I mean, some of these have been in the polls, you know, at least twice. Uh, yeah. There's been some uh, interesting, like um, now a couple months where the same record, like spot is a good example. It was in this May uh, poll that you talked about and it's back in June, but from a different person. Yeah. This has happened a couple of times where like these, <laughs> I've never heard of the record. I'm going through, you know, putting these together and I'm like, Oh, I've never heard of this band. Okay. And then the next month I'm like, this band is back again the next month. <laughs> How is that possible? Same record or different huh? record? Same record. Huh? So by a different person, I mean, part of this probably cause it goes to discord and other people see that they were, it was mentioned. They're like, Oh yeah, I should mention, I should nominate that too. So, right. No, it's been fun. There's been some records that, um, like I said, I've never heard of and the, it's fun when they come through once, but then sometimes they come through two or three times and it's fun to see if they, you know, can make it further with, uh, with every time they're nominated. Keep uh, submitting spot and uh, we'll keep making sure they don't win. <laughs> I don't know. How we don't we know do. yet. We don't know yet. There's a, that's a very nineties band name spot. I know. like, well, it's, it's fun to Google. Yes. Because the album is called Spot as well. Oh my there was God. A, there was a band in the 60s called Spot. So of course there was. Takes a little work. They didn't have to change the name to Spot X or uh <laughs> Spot DC. Something like that. Uh lastly, if you would like to leave us some positive words, go to Apple Podcasts to do so. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts as well as spotify podcasts as well as google podcasts as well as stitcher and anywhere podcasts are sold so if you're out there purchasing podcasts at your local podcast market <laughs> uh, maybe you want to pick one of ours up uh, it's pretty cheap in fact these episodes are free which you probably know if you don't now you do so for jay i'm tim we're out we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out